I'm not sure if you guys realize, but the Holy Spirit has been speaking consistently for the last two or three weeks. A very consistent message. You may have not been able to pick up on it. Two weeks ago, Pastor preached an amazing message called I Am, talking about how about the name of God and how that we can call on him anywhere and that he'll show up. And then Brother Nicky preached the message last week about broken strength and about the presence of the Lord. And the thing is, now, none of us spoke to each other about what we were going to preach. And the Lord gave me my message before I heard any of them preach. And consider this message like a continuation of what you've already heard. And the Lord has been confirming it all day today. God bless Sister Tanya for being so sensitive to the Spirit this morning with the exhortation that she gave. Because it was, it's right in line with what I'm going to preach about today. The songs that we've sung today, especially the last one we just sung, has very much to do with what I'm about to preach to you today. The Holy Spirit is trying to get something across to this local assembly, and I really pray that you get it. I'm going to do my best to emphasize what I, what I feel strongly in my spirit that God is trying to communicate to us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joel chapter 2. And we'll be reading verses 30 through 32. And then also we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 5 through 7. Looking at two openings of scripture. And uh, this message, I've been, I've been studying this for over a month and been praying and really seeking God. And this message came to me as I was, I was listening to a worship song while I was at work. And I just felt the Holy Ghost just flood the room I was in. And he just gave me this, this message, this word. And I've, the Lord has just been unveiling through, through, like I guess you can say, progressive revelation, I guess more about what he wanted me to say today. And I'm going to do my best by the help of the Holy Ghost to, to share it with you. If you have Joel chapter 2, verse 30, say amen. Joel chapter 2, verse 30 says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now turn with me to Isaiah 43, and we're going to be reading verses 5 uh, through 7. Isaiah 43, verses 5 through 7 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now this is the verse I want you to focus on, verse 7. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Even everyone that is called by my name. I want to preach the message with this question that the Holy Spirit is asking you today. Are you called by my name? Are you called by my name? Not your name, but have you been called by his name? My objective today is to do the absolute best to be a conduit through which the Holy Spirit may manifest and flow. Because I don't want to just preach a good sermon with nice, nice message, good words. We need the presence of God. 
in this place to bring about deliverance. And you'll be hearing more about that later. But I believe God is wanting to deliver and to set some folks free if you would let him. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you. We honor you so much, O Lord Jesus, that you would choose this place for your presence to dwell, to habitate, to manifest. And we pray, O God, let your power fall in this place, move in this place in a profound and amazing way. In a way where there where no shackle, no, no boundary, no chain is able to restrict the, the liberty that you've afforded to us in Christ. In your, your shed sacrifice, your shed blood at the cross. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, let Holy Ghost fire fall in this place. Burn out and incinerate extricate, annihilate, oh God, anything that is unlike you and bring about purity, purge our hearts with hyssop that we might be clean before you and be a church that is blameless without spot or wrinkle. Have your way. I pray that conviction would strike this church with such severity that no one would be able to leave without first having bowed their knees in begging for your forgiveness and for your mercy. Let hearts be transformed and changed by the conviction power of the Holy Ghost. Let everyone within my hearing be gripped, O God. Hallelujah, by the spirit of repentance and the spirit of change. Lord God, we fix our eyes to you. And I pray, even as Sister Tanya has said today, that we would become houses of prayer. Have your way in this place. We bless you and we worship you and glorify you. And in Jesus' name, let the church of the living God say, Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today about the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is such an amazing, multifaceted subject, and that it has taken the entirety of Scripture to reveal, of us, reveal to us all the different aspects and attributes regarding God. The name of the Lord is one of progressive revelation in which God uses different identifiers over time to communicate to mankind his divine attributes and characteristics. While many studies have been devoted to the meaning, of the various names ascribed to God, and there are many, hundreds, possibly even thousands, of different names that are ascribed to God. What is often overlooked is the functionality of what the name of the Lord performs, especially when it is called upon. We, we talk about the various meanings of the names that are ascribed to God's character, but I want to talk to you about the name of the Lord and what it performs, what its function is in relation to us. What we see throughout the narrative of Scripture is that the name of the Lord, it acts as a means of help, a means of aid and assurance in the time of trouble. The Bible says in Psalms 124, verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. That this name, it also acts and performs as a protection from danger. Psalms chapter 20 verse 1 says this, That the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee, send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Now, what should catch our attention is that a name isn't an object, but an abstraction and can therefore do nothing in any physical sense. 
the question we should ask ourselves is how is it that a name which is intangible can defend and provide protection from a literal and physical danger. A name is an abstract thing. It's not something you can technically hold or touch or smell or taste or feel in the, in the most, uh, in what we come to understand it to be. But for some reason, this name is able to be very tangible in a sense to defend us from physical danger. The Bible says in Psalms 20 verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Now, to, un- to answer this question, we must understand the two functions of God's name. The first is that the name functions as a source of authority. Or in other words, its, it's authority is based on another concept we like to call ownership. The name uh, acts or performs the duty of authority, but particularly it's based upon ownership. When we talk about the name of the Lord, we are talking about God's ownership of any given thing. The Bible says in Psalms 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That the world itself is something that God owns. We see also in Psalms 50 verse 9, the Bible says, I will take no bullock out of thy house. This is God speaking. Nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Now, because God has ownership of the universe, that means he has the right and the authority to dictate what happens and what occurs in it. Therefore, to call on the name of the Lord in time of trouble is to invoke God's right of ownership and claim his jurisdiction within our situation. We're going through a crisis, we're going through tragedy, we're dealing with trouble, and you call on the name of the Lord. You are saying, God, my situation falls under your jurisdiction and I require your intervention in my situation. God, you have the legal right and entryway into my life because you own everything. You own the atoms that comprise my very being. You own the stars and the planets. You own the asteroids and the meteorites. You own all of the celestial bodies, the oceans and the trees and the mountains. You own everything. There is nothing within existence that does not technically in some fashion or way is owned by God or belongs to God. However... Ownership in of itself can only go so far. There is something else that supersedes ownership, and that is called possession. And people, people often confuse the two concepts and use them interchangeably, but they are very much different. Ownership is the legal right to control something. Possession, however, is the ability to control something. For example, so God owned the promised land. He owned the land of Canaan and he gave the land to the Israelites. He said, this land belongs to you. You are now the owners of it. However, they did not possess it. 
Meaning that they did not occupy the territory, nor did they have any control over it. So God told them, it's not enough that you own the promised land. You've got to possess it. And I want you to go into the promised land and to conquer it and gain possession. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse number 8 says this. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. Numbers 33 verse 52 says this, Then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all the pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places, and ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, and dwell, that, and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess. I want you to understand something that possession is stronger than just ownership. For example, let's say the Kia boys came to your house and they stole your car. Now, your name is on the car. It's on the title. It's on the registration. But because you're not in possession of it, you've got no control over it. And the fact of the matter is, God was telling the nation of Israel, it's not enough that you have legal right to something. You've got to possess it because possession is greater than just ownership. Now look how God tells them to take possession of the land. It was not just enough that they just kicked the people out. He also wanted to deal with all the false gods. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse number 3. Now look at this very closely here about this ownership and possession being tied to the name. Deuteronomy 12 verse 3. And you shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And you shall hew down their graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of the place. Because the name is associated with ownership and possession. The name was associated with the idol, a physical thing that possessed a location that was in the promised land. Hope you're following with this. So this is why God said, I want you to destroy the idols because you have to remove the name out of there, not just to move the people so that you can fully possess the land. We see here, this is also then why God says, once you dispossess the people of the land and you destroy all the molten images, I'm going to put my name in the land. Deuteronomy 12, verse number 5. Verse number 5 of the same chapter. It says, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there. Even unto his habitation shall you seek and thither thou shalt come. So now when we say about calling on the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord, therefore, is not just about ownership, but it's about possession. Being inhabitant, being an inhabitant or an occupant to actually literally have within one's grasp and hold. It, it represents possession, his occupation, or his presence. Whenever he has possession of something, whenever you see that the name of the Lord is someplace, he's saying, my presence is there. I possess it. I occupy it. I'm in it. So to say that God's name uh, was at a place didn't mean just the letters were inscribed on a wall or on a nameplate. It meant that he himself, his essence, his presence was actually in the very thing that has, was calling on the name. Deuteronomy 12 verse 10 says, but when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. 
Thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. So God said, I'm going to choose a place where I'm going to put my name, where my presence is going to dwell. And so now, generally speaking, if you wanted to interact with God in the Old Testament, you had to go to a specific place where the name of the Lord was to offer your sacrifices, to get your sins forgiven, to do business with God. You had to go to the address, go to the place where God's name was, where God habitated, where God dwelled, and where God occupied a place. This is why Solomon said in Proverbs 18 verse 10 that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, they run into it. Because the temple that was in Jerusalem literally had God's name, his presence there. And whenever I'm in trouble, the righteous would run to the name, run to the temple where the presence of God was to get forgiveness of their sins. So if you wanted to get to the name, if you really wanted to call the name of the Lord, you had to get to the temple or you had to get to the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, you had to run to where the name was. But in the New Testament, the name came to us. That the Bible says that there was a baby whose name was called Emmanuel, God with us. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. I don't necessarily have to run to the tabernacle, go to the temple, or even go to the church necessarily to get God's presence with me. I just need to call on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord will come to you. It came to us in a baby named Jesus. Matthew 21 verse 8, that Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey and the people began to respond to Jesus. Now look what they say about Jesus when he comes into the place. Matthew 21 verse 8 And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord was coming to them and their reaction was they began to praise God because the name was there. Matthew 18 verse 19 says, again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. Wherever the name is, that's where God's presence is. Do you see that? And wherever God's name is, there is the possession of the thing that he occupies. Now with that background, I want us to go Back to Joel chapter 2 verse 30. Now remember that the name of the Lord represents two things. It represents ownership. And secondly, it represents God's possession of something. His literal presence occupying a thing. Joel chapter 2 verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now the reason why those who call on the name of the Lord they find deliverance is because when you call on the name of the Lord he shows up. 
When you want the presence of somebody, you call their name. When you call his name, his presence shows up. What you call me for? Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Therefore, to call on the name of the Lord is to request not only his title of ownership of us, but to request his possession, his habitation in us through his spirit that would fill us. Now, I want to read this text again, but I'm going to read it a few verses back. Go to verse 28. We're going to start at verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit, my habitation, my name. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. God is wanting not only to have ownership of you. He wants to possess you and fill you with his spirit. But that means you've got to call on the name of the Lord. And say, God, I don't want just your ownership. I want you to possess me. When we truly call on the name of the Lord, we become his. This means that his name is applied to us so that we can no longer be called by our own names, by his name. What do you mean by that? Let me use an analogy. Let's say uh, you see a commercial or an advertisement for a a product uh, that's being sold on Amazon. And so you go on Amazon and you go find that thing and you, you purchase it, you put an order in for it. Now, when you purchase this thing, there are two things you pay for. The first thing is you're paying for the product but then you're also paying for the shipping, right? And once you make that order, that, that, that order is, pay, is uh, paid for, your name is applied to the product. It, they get a label and they put your name onto that container, onto that, that product, and then they ship it to you. Now, this announcement I've just given to you is exactly what happens whenever we get saved. Because the advertisement, the commercial, that was us crying out to someone to purchase us. You're in some warehouse in the middle of nowhere in obscurity and darkness where nobody knew where you were. And there was a cry that went out, a commercial went out, I need somebody to get me out of here. So God looked at you. He heard your cry. He saw the commercial. He saw the advertisement and he said, you know what? I want that. And so he paid a price. And he placed an order. And when he did that, he put his name on you. So that you would come out of there and go to his address where he lives. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was in the warehouse of sin, in darkness, but God heard my cry. He heard the advertisement, and he placed an order, and he paid for my delivery. He didn't just purchase me. He paid the shipping and the handling. He paid for my deliverance when he put his name on me. 
His name was applied to me. And I became his. Now here's the problem, folks, is that it's not enough to have a label on you. You've got to get to his address. My other main text, Isaiah 43, verse 5. I want to give some context to this. Isaiah is prophesying about the Babylonian captivity. The children of Israel were, were, were captured by the Babylonians and were in slavery for 70 years. At the end of this slavery, God says, I have now come to bring you out of your bondage, out of your slavery. And he says this, Isaiah 43, verse 5. Fear not, for I am with you. You know what? Actually, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Let's back up a few verses. Go to the beginning of this chapter. Go to Isaiah 43. I'll just read from the screen then. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have purchased you. I have called thee by thy name. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you say you're supposed to be called by my name? Israel did have God's name in it. Israel literally means prince of God. When he said, I'm calling you by your name. Because the original name of the guy was Jacob, and God changed his name to put God in it. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I want to explain something what the Holy Ghost is saying here. I have my name on you. I have paid at the cross. I paid for your salvation. And I also paid for the deliverance of you to me. And I'm going to bring you to me because I paid the price. And I want to look what God is saying here. Look what God is saying here. As he's now, the, the package is being shipped. Go to verse 2. Verse number two, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. I'm calling you out. I paid for the shipping and handling. I'm bringing you through the waters. I'm bringing you through the fire. Because you've got to come to my address where I can possess you. Verse number three. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sebia for, for thee. He said, I gave up other nations to get you because you are what I wanted. You're the product I wanted to purchase. Verse four. Verse four. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Verse 5. Fear not for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name. Because my name is on you. You must come to me where I can possess you. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. God no longer calls us by our name, but by his and delivers us into his presence from our sins. The question I ask you today is, are you called by his name? Because I tell you right now, you will stay in that warehouse unless the name has been applied. The problem is that many people call on the name of the Lord, but they don't allow God to call them by his name. The first is a request for ownership 
while the second is God's act of possession. And there are some who have called, called out to God, but yet have not been possessed because they have not given God control. I've been through this. I've ordered stuff online. You ever order something from online on Amazon, let's say eBay, and the person isn't necessarily, they're not shipping it. You're looking at the tracking. They haven't shipped it. This has happened to me a couple times before. I've, I've ordered something, and the person wasn't giving it to me. <laughs> so my name was on it, but I still didn't possess it. And the person was not being very forthcoming in giving me what I ordered. And a lot of us are like that with God. You have the name. You call yourself a Christian. You have the label on you, but God doesn't possess you. Because there's a difference between saying God owns me and God possesses me. Remember I said, I said earlier, that one who possesses has the control regardless of ownership. Regardless of ownership, it's about possession. Does God live inside of you and control you? One of the problems we've had, we got a wall over there of people who've been baptized who had a name put on them, but because they never got possessed by the Holy Spirit, they ain't here no more. People who have the name applied but will not give God the control to truly possess them. And then there are others who want God to free them from their problems, but they don't want to truly change. They put on the label of Christian or say that God owns them, but they don't allow God to possess them. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, Paul the apostle said this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You look like a Christian, you've got a nice name on you. But does God control your life? Does God dictate your actions? Does God really live and move and breathe inside of you? Have you been filled with his spirit? Because if you haven't, then the name has not really been fully applied to you. Psalms 22 verse 3. People will come to church and praise God in his presence. But his presence is not in them because they don't want to give up control. He is in their praise, but he's not in their hearts. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Remember that Israel had the name, and God would inhabit the praises of God. Yes, he'll inhabit your praises. When you begin to mention his name and praise him, he'll come in your praises. But I hear what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 7. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me God placed an order for your heart and you don't want to give it up he's put his name on it you went down in his name his name is labeled on you but you will not give it up and ship it and allow God to possess you You won't allow God to possess you because you're afraid of letting go. You're afraid of losing control. You need to listen to Carrie Underwood because she said, Jesus, take this wheel. I need Jesus to take the wheel. I need Jesus to take control. I cannot. I'm going to crash into a telephone pole. I'm going to make shipwreck of my life. I need God to take control. It's not enough to call on the name of the Lord, but you must become called by his name. And this is why the scripture warns us about taking the Lord's name in vain. 
Taking the Lord's name in vain isn't just mentioning his name disrespectfully or haphazardly. It's to have the label applied to you, but not live up to what that name represents of righteousness and holiness and purity. You say God owns you, but does he possess you? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And that ye are not your own. Which, which, are, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. That ye are bought with a price. That ye are, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God has purchased you. And he wants not just ownership. He wants possession. Now, I really want to emphasize this point here. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 37. Now, we read earlier about how Jesus came into Jerusalem and how everyone began to shout, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Look what happens here. Luke 19, verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So now they're just praising God. We're calling the name of the Lord. He's coming in the name of the Lord. Look at all this wonderful stuff. Now look what the next verse says, what Je- how Jesus responds to this. Verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Wait a minute. They were just praising your name. They're just saying, blessed be he that come in the name of the Lord. They're acknowledging you as, as being the Messiah, as being the king. But Jesus' response to that was he fell over weeping and crying. His heart was shattered and broken. Look what he says in verse 42, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Why is Jesus responding this way? Because the same people who are praising are going to crucify him in about a week. He was in their praise, but he wasn't in their hearts. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I want you to be the king. I want you to be my king. I want you to deliver me from my troubles, these Romans. But I don't want you to be the king that deals with my sins and that challenges me to change my life. I don't want that king. So Jesus was literally weeping because they would not give him possession. You know, today they're going to be having the Super Bowl. People will be going crazy. And you know what's very interesting? The whole game is based upon possession. Who has possession? And there are arguments and millions of dollars can be won or lost based upon who had possession when they got to the goal. Let me ask you this. When you get to the end zone of of eternity, who's going to have possession of you? Who's got possession of you? Is it God or is it the devil? The devil technically can't own you, but he sure can possess you. Man, that looks like your car. Why is it driving over the crest? Oh, someone else is driving it. Why are you doing the crazy stuff you're doing? Because someone, you let some fool get your car. You let somebody in your heart, somebody in your mind. Because you won't let God possess you. God is looking to possess our hearts. I close with these last few scriptures. And then I'm going to do an altar call. And we're going to call on the name of the Lord. And then God is going to call you by his name. And when that label is applied, 
when he takes possession, there is going to be breakthrough in this house. I'm telling you today. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 12. Solomon has built a temple. And if you read this, if you read this in 1 Kings 8 and other places, it says he built it for his name. He is now given a sacrifice. The presence of God has come in. The, the priest can no longer stand to minister. And it's the next day. And God appears to Solomon by night. Second Chronicles 7.12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. What was it that Sister Tanya talked about this morning? About being a house of prayer. Being a habitation. Then he says in the next verse, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be opened and my ears attend unto the prayer that is, notice again, the prayer is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. When you have the name of the Lord applied, you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll, I'll be with you even to the end of the world because my presence is in you. This is how, folks, we become called by God's name. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, a verse we're all very familiar with. Now when they heard this, this is on the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in, in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and I notice this, and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God is calling He's calling to you. He's placed an order for your heart. Are you finally going to stop being stubborn and ship it to him? And allow him to take possession. This is yours, God. It's yours. Okay, let me take it. This is yours, God. This is yours, God. We don't want to lose control. I don't want to lose control. I, I, I don't want to lose control. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be open like that. I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose control. But you've got to allow God to possess you. Are you called by his name? Are you called by his name? Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm, I'm quitting. Are we truly called by his name? Not just baptized in his name in water, but if we, does God possess us? Does, does God possess you? Does he live and breathe inside of you? Psalms 116 verse 13 says, I will take the cup of salvation and call Upon the name of the Lord. Notice how those two things are connected. When I take the cup of salvation, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. There are three groups of people I want to minister to today. The first group, you're in the warehouse of sin. And there's been no advertisement regarding your existence to God, that is. You have not called on the name of the Lord. His name has not yet been applied to you. And God is now offering you this opportunity to cry out because whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered or they shall be saved. If you do it in faith, God will bring you out of the obscurity, out of the warehouse of sin, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But you've got to make a call. You cannot be silent. You must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and then you shall be saved. The second group of people, 
I want to talk to are those of you, you have called on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord has been applied to you. God owns you. You belong to him. But he doesn't possess you yet. Because there's a part of you that you have not yet given over to him. Some hurt. Some tragedy. Some part or aspect of your life. That you're afraid to trust it with Jesus. I trusted someone once. You're thinking. And all they did was shatter my heart to shards and pieces. And I cannot allow someone else to to ruin it again. I cannot lose control. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be open. But you need God to possess you. You're lying to yourself. yourself. You're saying God owns me, but he doesn't possess me. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost must reside inside of you. The third group of people I want to minister to. You have called in the name of the Lord. And the Lord does possess you. But you are still dealing with some things where you have not been delivered out of. And I want to encourage you today. John 14, 13 says this. There's some things you've been praying about. Some things that you, or you should say, you want delivered to you. John 14, 13 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 16, 23 says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Your joy becomes full because when you call in the name of the Lord and you ask in his name, his presence comes to you. Psalm sixteen eleven says that thou wilt show me the path of life, for in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We're going to pray, and I'm going to invite some specific people to come first. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who wants to be delivered out of the warehouse? Who wants to come out of darkness into his marvelous light? First, you need to call on his name. Call on his name. And say, God, take not only ownership of me, but take possession of me. I want everyone in this congregation, where you are, to pray and to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Ownership and possession do not occur until there is genuine repentance and a hatred of sin and wickedness. I want everyone in this house, all of us, all of us. Father, forgive us of our sins. You said, if my people which are called in my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Begin right now to call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, we call on you right now. You are Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is here, Emmanuel, God with us. For God is our refuge and our strength, a present help in trouble. Begin, begin right now. Begin to call on his name in faith. And as you call on his name, the Lord is coming. He is coming to deliver you and to bring you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right now, begin to call on his name. I call on you, Jesus, your name, Jesus, 
For at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. For there is neither salvation in any other name that is given among men, whereby we must be saved. Call on the name of the Lord. Call it in sincerity like it's your last breath. I need Jesus not only to own me, I need him to possess me. In the name of Jesus, right now, Father, I release your spirit in this place. Come, oh Lord Jesus. Kumbaya, come by here, Lord. Come by here. Come in here. Come in this place. Take not only ownership, take possession. Let the very presence of God saturate this place. Saturate this place with your presence and push out and drive out anything that is unlike you. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let them that hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away. Come on. Begin to call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Lord, possess me. Don't just own me. Possess. Come in my situation. Get in my business. Get all in my life. Get in my heart. Get in my mind. Get in my soul. Possess me. Because wherever you are, there is liberty. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Right now in the name of Jesus, receive the very Spirit of God. Wherever you are, if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, why don't you just lift up your hands and receive it. If you prayed that prayer, that call to God in faith, that Lord, I need you, I want you, go ahead and receive it. Call on His name, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. All over this house, begin to call on the name of the Lord. God is delivering you. God is bringing you out. He's put his label on you. And it's now to come out of the warehouse and to come to his address, to come to the Father's house. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Somebody's getting it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Come on. Call on his name. Call on his name. Call on his name. And God will bring you out of depression. Call on his name. And he'll bring you out of bitterness. Call on his name. He'll bring you out of hurt and heartache. Call on his name. He'll bring you out of loneliness. Call on his name. He'll bring you out of sickness and disease. He'll bring you out of sin and wickedness. If you would just call on his name. Jesus.